Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Callan FM. Welcome to the business community on Callan FM. And last week there was news about Kit Kats. And so um, we thought we'd start the show with a topical discussion about the trademark of the four-fingered wafer shape that is the Kit Kat. So the European Court of Justice threw out an appeal by Nestle, which argued that it owns the shape of that four-fingered chocolate treat. And they've spent a lot of money and 10 years fighting to win the trademark just for the shape, not the logo, not the packaging, just the shape. So the platform with the four sort of oblongy trapezoid type things <laughs> on it yeah i think they might have been a little bit more specific in in their trademark application however it's done them no good and the the problem is that there is a, another chocolate treat in norway called the quick lunch apparently that's how you pronounce this thing with lots of uh, k's v's k's and use quick fluency it looks like but quick lunch in norway looks very this very similar once you've taken the wrapper off looks quite different with the wrapper on and that's been around for 80 years itself which is only two years uh, less than the actual kit kat also the european court ruled that the kit kat wasn't as well known in in every single country in Europe. So where it might be really popular in the UK, it's not, for example, so well known in Belgium or in, I can't remember the other places, but there were about four other places mm. in, oh, sorry, in um, France, Germany, Spain and Italy. So I don't know. Um, I, although, oh no, sorry, Belgium, Ireland, Greece and Portugal, but it is well known in the other ones. So... I, I don't know. I, I, it feels inherently wrong to me to, one, trademark a word, a generic word like sky, um, because there are other things that make it recognisable. And if your brand is, is solely relying on a word like sky, if you can tell that one got on my nerves when that mm -hmm. happened, or solely relying on the shape rather than the taste or the packaging or, or the logo or anything else to do with it, it's a little bit weak, if you ask me. So uh, I, I think the way I would recognise a Kit Kat, because you don't see the naked bar in the shop, you recognise the Kit Kat from the packaging mm. and from the logo. And you would know, surely, the difference between a different brand of the same treat. That's just my opinion, and I'm, I'm rather pleased that they lost that. However, there is still room for them to appeal. And it's very specifically the shape, the 3D shape, of that um, chocolate treat is what they've been fighting so hard over. And it brought up um, Cadbury's. So they, they were fighting to get the colour, a, sp a specific colour of purple trademarked, which I think is fair enough. There's, there's so many different Pantone colours. Fair enough, maybe they want to say that that's the only chocolate wrapped in that specific type of purple. I don't know. Um, in 2006, Lint applied for a trademark for Easter bunnies with a red ribbon, ribbon wrapped in gold. And apparently they lost that battle as well because there are other gold wrapped bunnies with red ribbons around Europe. Uh, however, Toblerone won um, and the shape of their chocolate was um, uh, considered iconic enough. Poundland did a, an off-brand, is the official term, but rip-off, I would have called it, version. And it, it um, settled out of court with the owners of the Toblerone shape. So 
What do you think, Heather? Do you think that Kit Kat should belong to, the Kit Kat shape should belong to Nestle? Well, where I feel that it falls down a little bit is that um, can't you get Kit Kat chunky? Yeah. So that's... And Kit Kat bites. Yeah. So, like, where does it... Where does it kind of end? I, you know, because you used to get Aero Chunky, didn't you? And now you get Kit Kat Chunky. And so I think it, I think it's really, really complicated. And even, you know, for me, trying to figure out the difference between copyright, patent, trademark, what you can, what you can't. I mean, whoever is a specialist in, in this legal field, you know, they must just stay up at night. Rubbing their hands together. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think it's... I think you're right. A Kit Kat to me, is a particular type of biscuit, a particular type of chocolate, in a particular type of wrapper. And you'd know if you ate it, if it tasted different as well, yeah. wouldn't you? If it was in a, yeah, if it was in a different wrapper, you might, and you bought it from a supermarket that sells non-mainstream -bra non brand items, you might go, are they the ones that are a little bit like a Kit Kat? Yeah. But you wouldn't think or it was a Kit cheap Kat, Kat, would you? But you wouldn't think it was a Kit Kat, no. No. So I, and I, and I also think where it starts to get really complicated as well is that Kit Kat was a Roundtree's brand. And now, of course, as companies get taken over and subsumed, so now it's Nestle. So now, now we've got this sort of geographical thing. So, it's, it, yeah, it's massively complicated. Um, I think there are better things to spend money and time on personally. Personal. But if you are interested in registering a trademark for a three-dimensional object, I dig... I did dig out an article on the BBC website uh, which explains what you need to do. And they do say that it's very difficult, but it's not unheard of. And um, the Coca-Cola bottle received the mm -hmm. trademark for um, the bottle in 1960. The big benefits are going for trademark status for something like this unlike a patent which um, a patent lasts for 20 years a trademark can potentially last forever that's why it's so valuable but the requirements are the law states that the shape must be sufficiently distinctive to allow customers to distinguish between that and different products so that would be like the Toblerone triangle yeah. yeah sufficiently different and yeah. it has been judged that the shape of toasters for example aren't <laughs> sufficiently distinctive because a toaster is a toaster even if it's a nice shape it's a toaster i think there was a um a case with black cabs and there was a company making a similar sort of shape but it, they they would judge that it's a car yeah. so it's not so you, you know the black cab is quite distinctive but it's not significantly distinctive from a car um but Toblerone is a Toblerone like you say um and the second requirement is that the trademark cannot effectively give a technical monopoly to one company so for example in 2002 Philips tried to um prevent Remington from marketing a three-headed shaver because Philips said that the three-headed shaver was their trademark. But the European Court of Justice said that a three-headed shaver was necessary to achieve a technical result. And so you can't protect it with a trademark. And it was the same with Lego bricks. The court said that you can't trademark a brick and prevent anybody ever from making a plastic brick toy. But they did rule that Lego people, the minifigures, are distinctive enough. 
because their purpose was to be a human shape and it wasn't a technical function. So, as you say, flipping complicated. But you mentioned some other words as well as trademarks. What have you found out, Heather? Well, so I started off looking at patents. So a patent for an invention is granted by a government to the inventor giving the event inventor the right to stop others for a limited period from making, using or selling the invention without their permission. And that makes me think about Dyson, James Dyson, who we've talked about before, you know, this sort of um, bagless vacuum cleaner. So that's something that was, you know, he invented that concept. So maybe it's fair that he should, you know, have a head start in, in terms of um, developing it and, and marketing it. Trademark are badges of origin. They distinguish the goods or services of one trader from another and can take many forms. For example, words, slogans, logos, shapes, colours and sounds. So that's, you know, that's where you get into your um, the Kit Kat logo. I think that's, that's fair. Um, and that it's red and white. So if somebody was making a chocolate bar that was a bit like a Kit Kat with packaging that looked a bit like Kit Kat packaging and it was called Cat Kit, well, okay, that wouldn't be appropriate. Yeah. So I think that, that you know, that in itself, um, it, you know, you start to think about the differences. But uh, the other thing that I think is uh, really interesting is the whole thing about copyright. Intellectual property, which is what we're talking about, covers four main areas. Patents, which we've talked about, how something works, what it looks like, trademarks, what you call it, and copyright, which is artistic or literary expression. And each of those things, some apply in multiple levels to a particular thing. Um, and then you get into, you know, how long copyright lasts, and we've, and we've talked about some of that. So, you know, um, uh, books and songs and, you know, where do the royalties lie and all of that, you know, out-of-copyright photos, out-of-copyright books, etc., etc. I think it's a minefield. I think, I think you're absolutely right, and we'll put a link on the, on the website um, if people are interested in finding out a bit more about what you, where do you start with this sort of stuff. You're listening to The Business Community on Calon FM with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. And this is the part of the show where we look at events and news and things that we think you perhaps need to know about. And I thought it would be useful this week to take a slightly different tack and start to look at places where you might want to promote your own events because I know that a lot of businesses run seminars, webinars, all sorts of things. So I found a few useful websites uh, that you might find of use uh, but I'll start close to home. A, a tried and tested and, and friend of the show is uh, Business Line um, at Wrexham uh, Gareth and his team are always promoting events for us and uh, it's a good resource if you're looking for an event so you just need to go to wrexham.gov.uk forward slash business hyphen events uh, and you can share your own events there so that's a good one. I came across another website and this is um, I don't know how they pronounce it but it's ewvnt.com and essentially you post your your event you say who your target audience is, and then they tr they um, populate loads of other event sharing websites. So it's like put it in once and it covers loads of, of platforms, uh, you know, the likes of Eventbrite and all the usual ones. But it looks like a really good resource so that you're, you're very targeted and it spreads the net really wide. So I thought that looked like a good one. Um, and then uh, bl.uk 
uh, is a website. If you look there, they've got loads of events, webinars, so virtual events and real-time events that you can promote. But again, you can also search uh, the database yourself. And then finally, um, event, eventjuice.co.uk. Uh, this is this is a great one. I mean, they've got they've got events from the Institute of Directors. Um, what have we got? Leadership for directors, economics for non-economists, improve your business with SEO. Yeah, just a whole range of, of events. Some webinar, some uh, that you actually attend. So I'll put details of each of those websites on our website, uh, which is thebusiness.community. Tracy, what have you got for us? I've got a couple of free events um, run by Business Wales. They look quite interesting. They're both being run at the Wrexham Enterprise Hub, which seems to be very busy at the moment for events for businesses in the Wrexham area. The first one is website revenue optimization. Learn the scientific approach to optimizing your website for revenue or Leeds. It's on the 22nd of August between 12 and 2 and you can book via the uh, Business Wales website. We'll put the link on our website and also business photography. So Halewin is a portrait and commercial photographer based in Wrexham and in this session she will show you how to take better pictures for your business. This is on the 29th of August again between 12 and 2 and it's bookable through Business Wales. Like I say, both of those are free events, but you do need to book in advance. And also I looked at the Intellectual Property Office's websites. It's on gov.uk. If you go and search there, there's a whole load of guidance, tools, case studies and events for anybody who's interested in intellectual property. I thought it fitted quite well with mm, the, the start of the yeah. show. And I found a, a few really good resources on there so the events um there were some webinars i think there's one actually happening today and there's quite a few happening down in the southeast but but there wasn't anything that really struck me what i thought was really interesting was some of the downloadable resources one is a um a basic course on intellectual property it's called ip basics and you can download an ebook on that and the other resource is called ip for business tools and it's made up of four different sections they all look really really useful ip equip is the first one and it's an e-learning tool to help businesses understand intellectual property rights i.e trademarks patents copyright and designs and it uh, contains four short modules and case studies um, talking about the very basics so it's equipping you with the basics on ip um, the next one is ip equip app and it's a smartphone app which will help you to identify the most relevant route to managing and protecting your intellectual property and how to avoid costly mistakes and to create value from your IP. The third one is IP Health Check. So every business will own some form of IP, whether it's an artistic design, shape, technology, brand of your product or process. And IP Health Check is an online tool which is free to use, which can help you to answer questions. It's broken down into the four IP elements covering patents, trademarks, designs and copyright, as well as giving advice on licensing intellectual property and managing confidential information. So there's just a series of simple questions and a tailored confidential report will be created for you for free. 
Okay, beware anybody that's offering to sell you this sort of stuff. Take the free stuff first, give it a go. It's coming from the horse's mouth, the intellectual property office. And the last one is IP Masterclass. And it's a specialist course to enable you to develop a detailed understanding of IP, maybe more suitable for uh, business advisors. So if you're involved in advising small businesses or large businesses, indeed, then you might want to develop some sound practical skills that you can apply to a number of businesses. So all of these things, if you just go to gov.uk and look for the IPO section on there, we will put the links on our website as well. But well worth a look if you're thinking there might be some intellectual property copywriting or patenting that you can do to protect your company's value. Ordinarily in this part of the show, we review a book or an app or some such. But this week, we thought we'd have a look at business banking and just see what's out there um, and what the pros and cons are of high streets banks versus um, online banks, etc., So um, I'll set the ball rolling. I found um, an interesting little guide on a website called boringmoney.co.uk, which is essentially a guide to business banking. And whilst a lot of it's only a two pager, but a lot of the stuff that they talk about, you know, is fairly basic. But they start to give some high level around, you know, free banking periods, um, overdraft charges, you know, the usual stuff. But they do give some some tips, which I think um, it, uh, is the tips are useful. Yeah, the tips are useful. <laughs> um, but they also signpost you to a couple of uh, sort of comparison options uh, where you can start to compare apples with apples because banking is so varied and so complex and it's a bit like buying insurance really you know you look at one thing and on the face of it it all seems the same but then you find out you've got a higher excess or uh, you get less of this or more of that or this isn't covered and that's certainly true um, when you start to look at uh, banking opportunities and uh, Tracy I know that you found um a comparison site that you thought was quite interesting. What I did. Um, actually, just just to share with the listeners that I'm um, currently tearing my hair out trying to um, sort out a, a bank account for a, a business that I've just become involved with and changing the mandate over and getting online banking, even getting a checkbook or a paying in book delivered. It's taken so far, so long, that if we hadn't got the support of the the previous people in charge of of the business bank account, we'd have really, really struggled. And uh, I won't name the high street bank that Mm -hmm. we've had problems with, but getting in touch with them, you know, just the services on the website, the fact that I'd had over an hour conversation with a number of different people and they got no record of that. Um, and, and purely the fact that I can't get access to the bank account. It's completely maddening. So um, it, it was quite interesting for me because as I was looking around at all the alternatives, I was thinking, OK, I'm going to give you one more week, High Street Bank, and then I'm going to go and try some of these others. But the the one the website that I looked at was uh, moneysupermarket.com, and they've got a special section on comparing business bank accounts. And... Um, They've got them in different sections, so business startup accounts and business switching accounts. Um, The same sort of companies um, appear um, several times. Now, I don't know whether that's because um, Money Supermarket get um, 
some some sort of kickback from these companies for putting them on there or whether in fact it's just because these are really good accounts but actually I've got to say that the ones that have come out at the top do seem like really good accounts. So I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. And the things that are mentioned on here are um, the likes of Clydesdale Bank, that um, they're offering a 25 months with no monthly fee. There are um, terms and conditions which might mean that you, have, you don't get the, the free banking, so be careful with that. Um, and they've got negotiable overdraft rates and... Interest rate paid on positive balances is zero, but it pretty much is across the board everywhere. Um, Yorkshire Bank has also got 25 months with no banking fee. HSBC with 18 months with no fee. Santander with no fee. But Santander, interestingly, are paying a whopping 5. Point, oh, no, 0.1%. I thought 5.1%. No, they're charging 5.5% variable rate on overdrafts, but they are paying interest on, on balances of 0.1%. It doesn't seem like a lot, but it's a lot more than most. But then I got onto these other accounts that I'd not heard of before. Um, and these these were services by non-traditional banks. And I believe that actually they might not even be actual banks, but they're bank-like services. And one's called Cash Plus, um, and the other one is called Card One Banking. And they're offering interesting services so they, they've got they're charging a fee um one of them charges uh, an application fee so card one charges a 55 pound application fee and it's only free for three months and then it's 12 pound 50 a month so you, um and uh, i think cash plus there is no monthly fee but there's an annual fee of 69 pounds so you might be thinking well why would i go for one of these accounts as opposed to one of the other bank accounts but what they're promising is really simple setup and having yes, gone through this attractive. suddenly yes. that seems really attractive the other thing that might be attractive to some people is that they're not requiring a credit check and they're not making you jump through hoops so depending on what your financial history is these might be um, interesting alternatives cash plus they use the post office network so you can um, pay in um, money uh, to the post office network if you can find one that's open and um, they've got an online banking and mobile app as well um, and card one banking their big selling point is that accounts open the same day which until I'd gone through this experience <laughs> myself um, which we're talking nearly three months here where, where I've not really had access to the business bank account um, then I, I think that suddenly starts to be appealing uh, but the other thing to bear in mind, which is really important, is, is to consider whether you actually do need to to have a business bank account. And, and what I'm talking about here is one that is labelled by the bank as a specific business bank account. Now, I think everybody, if you're in business, you should have a separate bank account yeah. for, for keeping all your business stuff and not getting it mixed up. But with with all your personal finances, so you know having two separate accounts. But if you're a sole trader, you're not legally required to have a specific business bank account. You could just have a personal bank account. Now I will say, some you, you need to check your terms and conditions because some banks will say you can't run a business through this bank account. Um, but I won't mention the bank, but they basically said to me a number of years back when I was opening a bank account for another business. 
Well, if you don't tell us it's for business, we won't know. So very okay. kind of that assistant there. Okay. But do check your terms and conditions. It may be in the small print that you can only use it for personal okay. use. But you don't legally, if you're a sole trader, need to pay the money. And that's the drawback with these business bank accounts is that you've, you've got to pay after the complimentary free period or whatever, 18 months, 25 months, three months, whatever it is. And it's not insignificant, the amount that you can pay. You pay for paying money in, you pay for taking money out, you pay for direct debit, standing orders. You pay for every little thing and there might be a monthly fee as well. So if you can and you don't need to legally have a business bank account, do look into the pros and cons of just running a personal bank account. But I, I would strongly recommend that you do keep it separate to your own household finances. One of the worst things you can do is to run it from your personal bank account. And what you're also doing is topping up a failing business because you're just not noticing that the money's going out from there. What do you think, Heather? Uh, I think certainly that's 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 true. I came across um, what I think is an, an, another interesting comparison site, but I found this through looking at Barclays Business Banking. Uh, this is an initiative um, supported by HM Treasury and the British Chambers of Commerce, and they have spoken to 25,000 SMEs, and they've asked them to rate their banks. Oh, that's interesting. And so um, I think they've got about 66 different providers. And the highest ranking is, you know, 100% of people would recommend this bank to another business. So um, smile.co.uk features up at the top a bank called Brown Shipley, uh, Credit Suisse, um, then we start to get to ING, which is 75%, Handelsbanken. And then you start to go sort of down the, the level a little bit uh, and you find uh, Coots, 46%. Isn't that the Queen's Bank, the, the one the that the Queen uses? Yes, yeah. yeah. And you've got to have a million pound to bank with Coots. <laughs> um, then what I thought was particularly interesting, given that I found this resource through Barclays, uh, Santander were 39% and Barclays were 26%. 26% would recommend Barclays Bank, and that's of 4,846 people. And they're, they're all, they've all been asked to score out of 10 on the level of charges and fees, clearance transparent charges... The ease of getting in contact with someone who can help you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Well, the bank that I'm talking about won't way, feature. Way yeah. down there. Um, understands your business and treats you fairly. Uh, it, it was just, yeah, it, it, was, it was just really interesting. The fact that Barclays were willing to link to this, given that they rank quite poorly. You know, that's only one in four people would, um, would recommend them. Uh, it, yeah, it's an interesting one. I'll put details of it on the uh, on the website, thebusiness.community. So this part of the show is where we normally talk about a business guru. We love that name. Oh, I love that word. We haven't used guru for a little while. No. So I'm going to say guru again. Uh, or a management leader, a business leader, which we, we've done quite a few of. But this week... This person is described as a business magnate. Well, no, we've just had a discussion off air as, as to how you would pronounce that word. So clearly we haven't had a business magnate on the show before. And we've decided it's not magnet. It's not magnet, is no, it? because magnate. as you rightly said, it attracted 
to metal. Yeah, so this this person <laughs> may be attracted to metal. I don't know. But the business magnate we're talking about this week is Sir Richard Charles Nicholas Branson. Born on the 18th of Ju- July in 1950, he's a well-known, I think you could safely say, a well-known business magnate. He's also described as an investor, author and a philanthropist, easy for me to say, Mm. yes. He founded the Virgin Group and which controls in itself more than 400 companies, at least said countries. That's a little scary. I I reckon that's next on his list. (laughs) And he became an entrepreneur at a young age with his first business venture being a magazine uh, when he was just 16 and he set up a mail order record business and he's well known for having set up the chain of record stores, Virgin Records, um, later known as Virgin Megastore and his brand grew rapidly And in the 80s, he set up Virgin Atlantic Airline, which really went head to head with the big boys then. Uh, And it took some serious um, effort, I think, on his part. And a lot of the articles I've read, he talks about how, how hard it was fighting against the big brands in the airline industry. And he also expanded the Virgin Records music label. He was knighted in 2000 for services to entrepreneurship. And for his work in retail music and transport, um, he's a bit of an adventurer, I think. And um, he's, well, you could safely say he's a prominent figure. Um, he's listed as one of the 100 greatest Britons and he's he's going into space. Aren't they all? Aren't oh, these big yes. guys? Oh, Elon Musk, he's yes. going into space. Yep, yep. Is he a magnate? I'm not sure. He, he didn't describe himself as a magnate, no, did he? No. Um, so this guy is, um, according to Forbes, in June this year, his estimated net worth is 5.1 billion US dollars. So he's big. He's big. And I think the, th- the thing that really put it into perspective for me when I was doing the research on him is what I normally do is, is look at our business leader and see what their entries are in company's house. So we looked at Karen Brady um, last week, Adam Crozier the week before, and and these were youngish sort of people who'd had quite interesting and quite diverse careers, and there were a lot of uh, entries on company's house. Not so many current ones because they'd moved on, but Richard Branson's in a league of his own. The entries on company's house for Richard Branson are 124 admittedly only six of those are current so he's only a director of six companies but listen to the ones that he's a director of virgin atlantic international virgin atlantic limited virgin virgin atlantic 2 virgin atlantic airways virgin travel group and virgin holidays okay so they're they're pretty big pretty, yeah. yeah in their own right so yeah richard charles nicholas branson English business magnate. What did you find out, Heather? Well, Richard Branson is, he, he's a little bit like Marmite, isn't he? He's one of those people that you either, you know, love him or hate him. I I quite like him in that, and we were just saying off air, actually, you know, a lot of the stuff that he says, it's very easy to say when you have your private island and, you know, and you're worth 5.1 billion US dollars. But a lot of the things that he did, he, he took risks early on, and he's a risk taker and it's paid off. And I think that is, is, 
is commendable. And also, you know, you list the, the companies that he's a director of. You know, within there, you don't hear about Virgin Wines and Virgin this and Virgin, you know, because there are a lot of things he's just... He's just let them go. He's, he's just, tried things yeah, and let them and go. It it's a classic and, example of, yeah. you know, try, say yes and then um, change and Yeah, change yeah well, direction. he said, yeah, if somebody, he's, he famously says, if somebody gives you an opportunity, say yes and then figure out how you're going to do it. And I think that that's probably the way that he's lived his life. And quite clearly let it go if it's not working for you. If it's not you, working. Yeah. And, and that's about, you know, making sure that you you, you, you keep in touch with what's happening. Um, I'm I'm... Interested in him also because he is dyslexic. Uh, he didn't go to university. Uh, you know, he claims to, you know, just be, well, just traded on on risk and good fortune and making smart decisions. But he's made a lot of mistakes along the way, and he's not afraid to to flag those up. He um, he he appears to value his people within his business very, um, and rank them very highly. Uh, he listens to them. He he tries to include them in um, as many things as possible. It's not just, it's not a them and us. Um, and he, I, I came across an article, uh, five things you can do to make every day a success. Now, okay, not always this, that easy, but I think that there's there's something in this. Have a positive impact on people around you. Now, regardless of work, just as a mantra for life, I think that's pretty good. Take a breather from time to time, so allow yourself time to just stand back and just look at what's going on. Write down short-term and long-term goals. Absolutely. Be brave. He's been brave. Don't just sit around waiting for things to happen. Make things happen. Uh, and start your day by having fun. And he talks about how he starts his day every day by doing kite surfing and, you know, doing some sort of adrenaline thing. Again, easy if you haven't got to catch the 7.30 train from wherever. But useful, positive um, mantras, I think. He's also written a lot of books. So um, let's have a look at his bibliography here. 1998, first book, Losing My Virginity, How I Survived, Had Fun and Made a Fortune Doing Business My Way. Um, 2006, Screw It, Let's Do It. 2008, Business Stripped Bear. 2010, Reach for the Skies, Ballooning Birdmen and Blasting Into Space. Um, 2011, Screw Business as Usual. 2013, Like a Virgin, Secrets They Won't Teach You at Business School. 2014, The Virgin Way, uh, How to Listen, Learn, Laugh and Lead. And 2017, his most recent publication, Finding My Virginity. Now, um, I was wondering if he wrote his own book, books, and um, yes, apparently he does. And so why? What, what's his motivation behind it? And somebody um, online pointed out that most of the books were about his business, so it was promotion for his business, but that didn't seem to ring true with me. He didn't really need his books to, to promote his businesses. They, they were promoting themselves quite well, thank you. But apparently there's a Tim Ferriss podcast that I've seen referenced here. And in this, he says that the reason he writes is he thinks everyone's life story and way of seeing the world is interesting. And I can actually get that. Yeah, That's yeah. why I like to talk to people about their businesses. And he encourages people who aren't rich and famous to write their stories. And it's a way of recording your life for the generations in your family to come. And who wouldn't want that? So, yeah, I, I sort of get that now. We'll put links to some of the books. Uh, I haven't read any of them, so I can't comment on them. All I would say is that 
he's pretty prolific and you won't be short of reading material mm -hmm. if you go looking for a book by Richard Branson. And we finish with quotes, yep. generally speaking. And can we not short of quotes, are we? No, he's, yeah, he's, he's, well, he's well quoted. Um, I, I stuck with the sort of, uh, you know, learn from your mistakes type of thing. Uh, he says that one thing is certain in business, you and everyone around you will make mistakes. And he says, you don't learn to walk by following rules. You learn by doing and by falling over. And I think that's, that's sound advice. And the one I picked, I, this is the one probably I feel closest to of all the ones that I'd read, is um, fun is one of the most important and underrated ingredients in any successful venture. If you're not having fun, then it's probably time to call it quits and try something else. Fantastic. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. Join us next week for the business community. You've been listening to The Business Community with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. Join us next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business. <laughs>